PlayStation bangers incoming? Question mark. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is Mr. Chris Figs. I will finish oh, it for you this week. Thanks. That's so kind. Um, someone lets me. Someone finishes. If you are watching, you may noticed. You may have noticed that Saul's not here, but that's because his corporeal form could not be with us today. But his spirit mm-hmm. is here, and you will hear that spirit throughout this episode as we are joined oh, yeah. by the ghost of Saul Bridges, and that was him climaxing just for your listening pleasure. Uh, Saul, how are you doing, buddy? I gotta make the mic. Do I now? <laughs> I said, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are y'all? All right. I'm better today. Much better. I got a shot in my butt yesterday, and my throat didn't hurt as bad this morning. And now it's good. So Hold I'll take on. it. What? Yeah, man. Steroid shot in the butt. You got a shot in the butt, and now your throat feels good. Yeah. Sick. Because my throat okay. did hurt. God bless yeah, America. Man. It's crazy, right? <laughs> God, God bless yes. America. Are you on the same screen? Never, never mind. Oh boy! Oh man! I feel you know? a little bit looser since I'm at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the doctor yeah. said he could give it to me back there or in the throat, but you know, <laughs> we're moving along. Um, we are recording late, as you are uh, hopefully aware by this point. We tried blasting it out to everything, but we were able to come together. So you're getting the episode a little bit later. Thank you all for the patience and Saul's maniacal laughter coming out of nowhere. And with that, we're going to get started with the show the same way we always do. But remember, if you are new to the show, stick around so that you can find out how to be part of the community. And for all of you who come here every week, thank you. Um, the way we like to start the show is, of course, with... A check-in on what we've been playing and what we've been doing, and we're going to lob that over to Saul so that you can understand why he is breaking down, uh, <laughs> as well as what he's been playing this week. Saul, what's up? I just now noticed that my microphone's not having any levels on the, the screen down below. Yeah, it's just yours. Okay, is that normal? Happens to, happens to us see, all the time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I've been playing... I played a little bit of Elden Ring. I actually went back to Destiny. So I've been playing a little bit of Destiny this week, uh, surprisingly. Nice. But I, I haven't played a lot of anything actually, um, like a lot of time to like dedicate to more than just that. Yeah. Um, it's been rough. So, have you fin- have you finished Witch Queen yet? No. Your Witch Queen? Still have not. <laughs> Still a little pissed about it too. And I'm pretty sure Eric quit the game. <laughs> so Why am I he not even- surprised? He couldn't even help you if he wanted to. Hope you're listening, Eric. <laughs> I hope you're alive. <laughs> All right. So Elden Ring, Destiny. What made you want to go back to Destiny? Just have something that didn't require much from you? Something you could hop in and out of? No, I I wanted to go back to Destiny with Witch Cream, but then Elden Ring came out. And Elden Ring encapsulated me and, and plus helping Seth through it as well. Sure. That's kind of the thing was that I told Seth that since this was going to be his first ever Souls experience, that I would be there for him through thick and thin so he could uh get the you know the full experience of having somebody play it with man is this like stand by me too i wish (laughs) such a good friend man all right (laughs) well uh the upside there is that big seth has seemed to be loving 
the game. So, oh yeah, uh, that's he's playing. Cool. I know he's that you would, another playthrough now. You had went through and played some Dark Souls three with him before with Elden Ring, though, right? Yes, we did some co yeah, some co op so. in Dark Souls three. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's cool, Chris. Check in on you. What you've been playing? I know some of them surprise me because you're the man of many <laughs> games. Typically, um, let's see. I've been playing a lot of MLB. That game okay. is pretty good. I like that game a lot. Um, hold on, I, I pretty good. I feel like last year it was great. Yeah, this year has some balance issues. It's a very line drive heavy version of the game, which is annoying. Mm. Makes it very yeah, frustrating. <laughs> um, I started Kingdom Hearts, so I'm not very far. Um, we Wild know we choice, see, we... by the way. Hold on, let's back up for anybody who's not part of the Discord. First <laughs> of all, join the Discord. This would all make far more sense to you. But essentially, yep. there was a knockdown drag out <laughs> in the Discord, and Chris finally landed on getting the Kingdom Hearts uh, all-in-one package for like 30 yep. bucks. Yep, 32 uh, bucks. Yeah, and he is going to play them, which is great. I want you to play them just so you have more of an understanding of why you either are confirmed and what you thought you wouldn't like about it or what you may end up liking about it, even if you don't love the whole thing. I'm very curious to see your where you land after a little bit of time with it. But what a wild choice to start it. And then immediately be like, I'm going to go platinum two long Bethesda games real quick. <laughs> so so yes, I I also did get my 98th platinum. I got the pizza delivery boy who saved the world. That was an excellent game. So funny. Very short, easy experience, but I had a lot of fun with that. But yeah, I'm playing the vast majority of my time has been on Fallout New Vegas. Nice, nice. Yeah. Why New Vegas first instead of three? Is it because you want three to be hundred and you want New Vegas exactly. to be ninety-nine? Gotcha. Yes. Do you feel and like you should have played? Like, if platinums weren't tied to it, and you were just going to play this or even recommend them to somebody. Do you feel like you would recommend three then New Vegas or New Vegas then three? I mean, I prefer three. So like, it doesn't matter to me. But like, mm -hmm. if you were just starting out, you should definitely play three and then New Vegas. I think. Well, part of the reason I asked that is, right, like one of the things that you mentioned about Kingdom Hearts in the Discord was like, which one do I start with? And that question is always there whenever you play a game that's got plenty of games in the series. And you're kind of like, what angle do I approach this? Does it matter which one I play first? Definitely in times where it's like Fallout where the story is not connected or in Kingdom Hearts when it might be connected, but very far. Like Birth by Sleep feels very disconnected from the rest of them when you isolate it out. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing. I feel like fans tend to have their own order of which they recommend people to play. And sometimes it's for story purposes. And I think sometimes it's for gameplay purposes. Like, well, don't start with the one that plays better and then end with the one that's a, uh, that's dated because then you might end up hating the one when you would have liked it on the way to get into the best playing one just because you're comparing it to something that has an unfair advantage of time and multitudes of years of gaming experience uh, development wise to uh or really really design wise to help it so i don't know uh, it, new vegas is probably the better built game but go play fallout 3 it's better <laughs> well let, let's look at it this way in terms of kind of what i'm talking about just so it's clear it'd be like someone being like i'm starting with fallout 4 which plays almost like a 
destiny style first person shooter and it's shooting and that they even said that they were looking at destiny as a example of what they wanted and then going back to three or new vegas they're inherently different in the way their gunplay works they're not the same at all no and i do feel like if you played four first and then tried working your way back you would love the world and the characters but i have a feeling that playing the game would become a lot harder but i don't know because i don't have that ability so if I go back and play New Vegas or three, much like you, you have nostalgia goggles on and nostalgia for that feeling of game type anyway that you enjoy it. But someone who doesn't have that nostalgia factor to benefit and push them, I wonder if it would act as a more of a barrier. Because like some games are even harder. Morrowind, most people do not play Morrowind because it's just too far. And they're like, it's just because... You swing a knife and you hit the rat, but the game says you didn't hit the rat because it rolled an imaginary dice in the background. And it's just a weird system that most people, they don't even understand it because, you know, Elder Scrolls 4, 5, and and everything that they've played past or whatever, it just doesn't do that. So it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I was saying, like, you have no, you've never played a video game before. Actually, I don't think that's a good example because if you never played a video game before, I could give you Fallout Three, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but if you like are uh, if you've never played those games before, I would say, "Yeah, maybe play Fallout 4. But I don't have that issue, and I love so I love it. You know, I think the problem that people have is that then if you just jump straight to four, and it does create a hard way for you to go back to. Three or New Vegas is that you miss out on some of the legacy of the series, where if you would have played them in a certain order, you might have been able to get past that. But I don't know. Yeah, it, sure. it's a hard but thing I mean, to kind of ask of who has the dog in that race, you know? Well, there's no answer to that question because if I played Kingdom Hearts as a kid, I wouldn't think of them as baby games. But I do because I didn't play them as a kid. I'm playing them as an adult. So they hold no nostalgia for me and they just look like baby games. It's the same. You can make the same argument about that too. So hold on, so back really up. Just, we can't just say that. What do you mean by baby games? That's curiosity. I'm not judging. They look like games for small children. Boy, you're gonna have some Graphics real pain, butt pain against Sephiroth. That boy is rough. I'm not saying I mean, the like, games are baby games. I'm saying no, I know. Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck are two of the main characters. Those are children's cartoon characters. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. So you're saying outside looking in, like graphically and character wise, you look at it and you think, oh. Like that, that'd be for younger adult like, or younger crowds, rather, right? Right, exactly. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair. I, you know, for people who jump into Kingdom Hearts or at least came <laughs> aware of it, like when Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced for Xbox One, people who may have never really known much about Kingdom Hearts looking at it for the first time would probably be like, Why is there such a weird, strong fan base? You know, yeah. for a lot of people, Kingdom Hearts may have been their Star Wars. You know, as weird as a sentence as that is to say, but it's, you know. Uh, Brett, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing Gran Turismo 7, just a, li- just a little bit, not much. Uh, old school RuneScape. And then I just got completely enveloped by Ghostwire Tokyo. You know, I bought it a while back and I didn't download it or I downloaded it maybe. I think I did, but I didn't play it. I finally decided to start it and it, 
completely until very late game because someone happened to message me about Gran Turismo 7 and telling me that one of the cars for one of the trophies was for sale. So I was like, crap, I got to start playing so I can make enough money to buy this car before it leaves the, the lot. But I've played Ghostwire Tokyo so much this week. Um, I think last time I looked my save file, I'm like 39 hours in. And I've liter- I literally started last Monday. Mm. So that's that's quite a bit of Ghostwire. <laughs> um, I think the game's good. I think it's. I mean, I even wager that it's great, and I think it does a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, I think it's got a charm to it. I'm very surprised while playing the game that it seems like the way these two games that I'm about to say the other game being Death Loop have had their course through the media, their course through the player base, and maybe the way that Sony reacted to the money spent, which we don't ever really completely see. But like, you know, Deathloop was such like a big critical acclaimed game. Got a lot, a lot of notoriety from the media uh, and a lot of uh, attention at award shows and stuff. And it was one of those bought timed exclusives. I, I, would, um, I would wager that Sony probably was like, money well spent right i mm-hmm. wonder what playstation's reaction is to the current reaction of ghostwire because sadly i don't feel like anybody's talking about ghostwire even when it even the first week it came out i felt like no one said anything about it even scouring the people that i follow and everything the only person i heard mention ghostwire was kiki he said ghostwire was awesome i was like that's good to hear <laughs> But it's 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 interesting how different these two games are. I I don't know. I, I really you know I don't have much. I don't have any kind of pre existing love for Tango GameWorks because I didn't really find the Evil Within to be that compelling for me personally, and I didn't sure. play the Evil Within two as a result of that. And then this game comes in, and I really enjoyed it. So it's it's interesting. I just I wonder was it bad timing? I feel like it's far enough away from everything, but you know what I think it might be. Elden Ring has such damn legs on it that no matter what, months away, games are still right now having to face the fact that Elden Ring came out two months ago because it's like everyone's 120 hours into Elden Ring and loving it. I also think that Ghostwire is a good game, not a great game. So, you know, we're not we're not talking about fist anymore either. You know what I mean? So no, you, you're, I just don't think even, it. Crazy enough, though, I think Fist got more media attention than Ghostwire did after release. Well, yeah, I mean, Fist is a more interesting developer. That's what China Hero Project game, or at mm-hmm. least a Chinese game. So, yeah, and it was. It is. You're right. It's one of the first games from a very big initiative from Sony. Yeah. Uh, so it had more to prove than Ghostwire, this random Bethesda game that. Uh, I don't know. The, the reception and reaction to Deathloop makes me think that there's no weird ill will or I didn't see any marketing people or any marketing or not marketing, but rather fan campaigns against the game being like, don't buy it because it's by a Microsoft owned company. I don't feel like any of that ridiculous stuff was happening. I just think maybe if Ghostwire would have made its last year release, it would have really done a lot better than coming out after a big heavy year of very highly anticipated games Mm -hmm. it's possible for me it's still just the fact that like it's you're right though probably i mean for most people it's it's not this amazing game you know what i mean 
I mean, you like it. I don't even think you'd say it's amazing. So no, it's not. I mean, I think it's got some really great ideas in it. And one of the craziest things about playing it is that I remember before it came out thinking like, I'll play the game and it doesn't really matter what it looks like. But it was weird that like you'd see certain things like, why does this look like almost like a PS2 game? But then you play the game and there's like some of the best looking things I've seen in gaming in this game in the most weird random moments. There's a scene where someone places a locket in a hand and the camera is like kind of framed to where the hand, the full hand, a little bit of the wrist is in the in the center of the screen and you have a little bit of stuff around it. And the entire frame graphically level of detail is insane looking. And then you look at a dog and it's like this dog almost looks like a early, like a late PS3 textured dog as a PS5 game. And it's cute because he's a dog and you can feed him and talk to him and stuff. But it's like how how what is the disparity here and how do you get that way you know it's it's very odd but i think the the game does a lot of very interesting things like i think defaulting to japanese audio and english subtitles uh i think is a bold move you know i had to go out of my way to switch over uh yes being the the pleb that i am if you want to call it that to switch over to english voice cast which i thought did a fine enough job (laughs) um but yeah, the game's got a lot of charm. I, I'm I'm curious to see you get back around to it, just to see what your thoughts are. It's not going to blow anyone's mind, but I think it's a game that most people who play would be like, "I'm glad I played it." Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the little, literally that area you are in the first seconds of the game. I couldn't figure mm-hmm. out where to go, and I just turned it off. Shibuya. <laughs> yeah, it was like it's like Man. you're being blocked by invisible walls, and I it was late, so I'm like. Yeah, this is all right. And then I turned it off and I have turned it back on. Oh, Sadly. man. That means you have essentially zero reference to the actual gameplay loop. That's yeah. very interesting. The I've had that happen too, cool. though. I've played games to where I'm like, I get to a point where I'm like, I one thing already makes me not like it. You know what I mean? I remember when I first played The Witcher 2. Great um, game. It is a great game. The first time I played it was I checked it out from GameStop on 360. And I got to the beginning area where you've got to climb out of the thing. And I absolutely loathed that I had to walk to an edge and then hit a button prompt in order to climb. And I turned the game off and quit playing. <laughs> and, I, and then I rebought it on PC like three years later and played it and loved it. But it was just one of those things where like I let one little thing get in my head and I was like, that's stupid. I don't want that. Goodbye. Screw this game so, forever. Very. I I remember similar things when I was watching uh, Saul at your apartment. Actually, whenever I was watching Seth play um, Watch Dogs, um, Watch Dogs, I, I was it. like, "Bro, you gotta go and hit a button to climb. This is stupid." <laughs> and I've really softened up on that because I remember thinking when they first announced uh, God of War 2018 with no jump button, I was like, "God of War with no jump, you're stupid." And then I play the game. I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I've never really found a context where I felt like jumping was necessary." But, you know, kind of how it goes. Um, all God right. War doesn't well, have a jump button, but Elden Ring does. Clearly, uh, game, game right? of the generation. Right. And then Sounds people right. argue that God of War took some uh, FromSoft game design uh, elements <laughs> to it. Well, nobody's ever done that before, so that's the real sin. <laughs> all right. So, uh I guess before we get into the news, we'll go ahead and hop into the community's take. And the community's take this time around uh, was in regards to Square Enix and Saul's kind of question about um, 
where you stand. So the question was, what are your thoughts on modern day Square Enix? Do you like their recent output more than that of previous generations? Do you think they used to put out better games or have their titles never really spoken to you in any meaningful way? Saul, before we get off on that, when you're speaking to, like in your mind, what's your golden age of of Square? Uh, PS2. I feel like we didn't really talk about that last week. <clears throat> I would say honestly say okay. PS2, like right, Final Fantasy so X, Final Fantasy 10, 12. twelve. That for me personally, those are my yeah, two yeah. two of my favorite Final Fantasy games, other than six. Okay, okay. Chris, you uh, you're very different in having or having not played some of these games. Do you have an an era of Square Enix where you have some kind of nostalgia or love toward? Uh, PS5, because Guardians of the Galaxy is really good. That is absolutely true. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I don't know why Facebook has decided to completely change uh, the way that pages work, but here we are. Uh, Let's see. We have a couple of answers here. Uh, One from Kayla Allen over on Facebook. She says, I've always thought that the older era of Square was kind of like a golden period. They put out stunning RPGs that left meaningful memories for a lot of people. I, for one, have been a huge fan of the remasters slash remakes they've been putting out because I did enjoy those older titles so much. I hope they continue to do that. As for the newer generations, I've noticed a lot of change. More focus on mobile titles has been the most notable thing. I'm not one of those people who enjoys mobile games and just prefer to play on console the pixels remasters i know it's available on pc too kingdom hearts and near mobile games are some examples i also notice they're trying to break out of j of rpgs with their online games and other ips too but i'm not much of a fan of those either i think focusing on what they excel at works better in their favor honestly i've always been a square fan and will continue to be but i'll always stick to loving those rpgs most you know her bringing up the remasters here is really interesting because I've noticed a lot of people who have love for old square love the remasters. And a lot of people who are trying to dive in and play some of these games for the first time, look at the remasters as like, this is the best you could do. And Chris, you had that experience recently when you were talking about playing final fantasy or not final fantasy. I'm sorry. Uh, Chrono cross. Um, yeah. Remaster. And a lot of people have had that, but I noticed most of the people who have problems with it, are people who never played the original and are wanting to play it for the first time. And it kind of goes back to that nostalgia goggles we were talking about, right? You don't have the nostalgia that can carry you through these things. And you may not even have a nostalgia for PS1 style RPGs at all. So you have zero nostalgia coming in and you're just trying to play a, an acclaimed game, but they're giving it to you in what you consider to be a poor version of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I don't know. I, Chrono Cross is one of those things where I'm like, cool, I've always heard about this game. I really want to play it. And then I started it up, and immediately I was just like, oh, yuck. And then just turned it off, and that's really... I would rather have just played the PS1 version and dealt with it, you know, potentially looking worse or feeling worse than buying a version on my PS5 and it looking worse and feeling worse than the PS1 version. Because if I'm playing a PS1 game, I can deal with some of the, the dumb crap. Like, I played Leg- Legends of Dragoon a little bit on my PS3. And I could deal with it not being the greatest because it's a PS1 game. But if I got, you know, Legends of Dragoon remake on PS5, I'd be pretty salty if it ran like crap. 
And I well, just or don't remaster, understand right? how you Because it that. still comes in that you're putting... <clears throat> when you buy a remaster, you're like, that means you're going to put some work in and some of these edges are going to be glossed over. And it's weird, right. though, because for a lot of ways, it's just this is a way for them to get the game back out on storefronts again to where people can buy it on a new system. And by putting remaster in front of it, you there's an expectation it's going to be more than that. But I almost think it's funny because I'm, I'm sure if they just were like, hey... We're just releasing a PS1 classic on PS5 called Chrono Cross, and it's the exact PS1 game. Zero changes have been made. It's $15. You probably would have been like, cool. I know what to expect going into it, and my expectations are set appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. it's like you playing Fallout on PS3. Like, you know what to expect. Right. I know that it barely works, so I'm not mad that it <laughs> barely works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... One thing that I think is funny here is the distinction between remake and remaster and why that's important. Um, I know I didn't play the original on PS2 despite a lot of people loving it, but a good example of a game that it's weird too because critics and fans were really split on it, but uh, it's a PS Plus game for this month. Uh, Square, I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom or whatever. Yeah, Rehydrated. Uh, Rehydrated, yeah. That game is a perfect example of a game that did really well and scored really well from a user's point of view at the very least. I remember it had pretty bad reviews from um, the media, but the media and and, and actual players often are at odds with each other. Um, but it's weird because I feel like that got weird reviews and then people loved it and they were like, it's a great, it, it looks newer and it runs well, even if mechanically it's the exact same game and they didn't work to change anything else on it. Another game that didn't fare as well in the sales, but people who did buy it loved it was like the Medieval remake. Um, another example of a game that looked no, markedly like that. better. But it was 100% just the original game, <laughs> camera and all. <sighs> I know, I know. Uh, but what's odd about that is that both of those games ran markedly better than their original PS1 and PS2 counterparts for SpongeBob. They had more consistent frame rates. They had a brand new graphical style that gave that flair to them. And people seem to be down for that. But the moment that you come into this idea of, um, you know, you, you have people paying for things and the issues that come with that. If you remake something, even if you remake it in a way that's trying to be honored to the old one, there's a level of leniency that you're given as long as the end product looks visually better or at least can be considered visually better by someone and runs better. But ports are always this very odd thing because the expectations go really wild. It's going on with Sonic right now, right? I think uh, people are wondering what the Sonic Origins collection that's kind of getting popped up is. It's like, yeah. is it just a port? Is it a remake by like is the Sonic Mania people? Is it is it Shakespeare? Is it not? Uh, is it yeah. It's an interesting question. So I don't know. I mean, I love a lot of these PS One Square games, but I almost and even non Square games like you mentioned, Legend of Dragoon. These PS One JRPGs. I don't know that I want to play Legend of Dragoon without it just being remade at this point, you know? Like, again, like you, don't give it to me in any package that's not a remake. Because if I wanted to just play the original, I can I can play the original. I have it on my Vita right now. But I don't want to buy something new that says remaster and it does nothing to really move a needle forward. So, I don't know. Yep. We'll see how that ends up coming out. Um, Saul, you around? 
Yeah. The Ghost of Saul. Um, have you played any of the Square remasters that they put out on PS4? Because I have not. Not on PS4, no. On Switch, I have. Okay. Well, it's still a good example, though, right? I, or at least I should say, because it's still a modern console that those are coming on. So I guess, I I mean, I know you've played Final Fantasy twelve. That's PS2. It's a little bit different. They tend to handle those a little bit better. Did you play Final Fantasy nine or eight? I have been playing eight actually as a recent, um, but uh, yes, I played both nine and eight. Okay. And do you feel like those run well on switch at the very least? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I've ever encountered a, a problem. Hmm. It does seem like to some degree, sir, your mileage may vary kind of thing. But I don't know. It well, seems like more people have had well? issues. Well, no, it's just a lot of people talk about recent examples of, of Square remasters that are ultimately doing worse than their original things. Some people had some issues with Nine. Some people had some issues, of course, with Chrono Cross's remaster. And so it's been a point of contention that whenever they remaster a game, they often, at least as of late, they felt like they're doing the games a disservice. But it does seem like opinions are so split on and that it's like your mileage may vary based off of a multitude of factors. Which system are you running it on? Because, Chris, I noticed you're on PS5 for Chrono Cross, right? Yes. I know a number of people who've played it on base PS4s were like, yeah, it's not that bad. Like, it's There are a couple of frame drops, but no one has mentioned, like, a couple of people I've heard who've been on PS5 saying the game runs at, like, 15 frames a second. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder, it's like, why would the... Though. Yeah, it's like, why would the, and it is, it's still a bad port at that point, right? Because if you're going to, well, actually, it is. No, it is. I don't, did, well, hold on. The reason I back up is because Chrono Cross did not get a bespoke PS5 version, did it? No. So what's really happening here is wonky backwards compatibility. Is it actually backwards compatibility's problem, though, or is it? It would have to be if it's running perfectly well on an actual PS4 hardware. But then when it comes time to run on a PS5 that technically has better hardware and is trying to emulate itself down into a state that acts as a PS4, that it has issues. I think that's a good example of uh, of this being uh, problematic on the emulator side. Not to say it's like a big issue. One game is not too surprising. Yeah, but I wonder, though, if that's the problem with like PC then, right? Because it's going to be running it at different resolutions and different frame rates. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious. I guess I guess the, the upside to PC, though, is that you have the flexibility. To, if you're having bad frame rate issues, and you can be like, well, let me run the game at a lower resolution, see if it fixes that. That's one of the big benefits of PC that console doesn't enjoy right now, right? If you're on PS4, you can't be like, uh, run it 720p instead, or run it 680p, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, or frame cap it in this way, or turn these textures down, uh, which I don't know if the Chrono Cross PC port, if there even is one, Runs that way, but it's a good question. So, yeah, I don't know that there's a PSPC port. Yeah, it happens, man. Square seems to be slower more often than not of putting these things on PC, but I know Chrono Cross is on Switch and and PlayStation consoles for sure. Um, Anyway, moving on to one of the other answers. Chato, Mr. Sandcoffin, over on Twitter, he says, I'd like to see them put more of their older games in HD remasters like they did with Final Fantasy VIII. I'd be, even be okay with digital-only releases. So it seems like a lot of people really do love the uh, the remasters, and it's just some people have a, a bad opening experience with them. Um, this one's interesting. 
This is Rayrod20. Uh, he says, too many live services, and now they're talking about NFTs. Yikes. They need to listen to fans because most of what fans, excuse me, most of what fans like from them are their single-player games, Guardians of the Galaxy, Tomb Raider, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, etc. And in that regard, um, the, the NFT thing has been really interesting because here recently Square's CEO, I think is what it was, might have been president or whatever, depending on if those roles are the same in that company, was still talking positively in surrounding the idea of NFTs, which have been very contentious in gaming lately. Uh, I'm almost surprised that due to backlash, more companies aren't just staying silent. But I guess if you invest a certain amount of money, um, you kind of want to see it through unless you're Ubisoft with Ghost Recon. (laughs) Or Sony with Days Gone. Were there Days Gone NFTs? Uh, no. Sorry, I thought you were just talking about giving up on something. I mean, that's that's fair as well, but the problem with Ghost Recon is creating NFTs for Breakpoint and then like three months later being like, yeah, we're out. <laughs> I think the thing is, if that was like a troll on Crypto Bros, that would be funny. But I know it wasn't. I know it was an earnest thing and then they were like, yeah, this game's dead. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate uh poor guys it's not something you want to have happen but it happens sometimes all right over on the discord we have a pretty interesting answer here uh from rude days 93 he says modern day square enix is in my opinion a company that has great talent and great ips but has been underperforming for years now because of terrible management. Besides modern Final Fantasy XIV that had its own trouble at launch, every other one of their games either takes years to come out, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Kingdom Hearts III, for example, are good games but underperformed according to Square Enix, Tomb Raider and Guardians of the Galaxy being examples of those, or are just bad games, Avengers, Babylon's Fall uh, being those examples. Add in mismanagement with studios like Crystal Dynamics, who made some damn good single-player games, but then gets put to make a live service game and then gets told to go work with Microsoft on their game because Square, with their many great IP, have nothing for them to do and also lose a studio like IO Interactive because they had no faith in the Hitman series. They're the sports team that has all the talent, but at the end of the day, underperforms from where they should be at. I, Chris, yes. <laughs> what's 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 your side? Go ahead. Well, give I was trying your, give to your reaction. If, if I was going to disagree, and I can't really disagree, I was planning you on know, being kind of defending them, and I'm like, I don't know that there's any room to defend them. Actually, you, you know, the weirdest thing for defending them, if I really wanted to give them a good go, right, is that they still do allow a game like Guardians of the Galaxy to be made, which ends up working very strongly in their favor uh, Mm -hmm. in that regard. And I think you have... um, That is a good example of their Western studios paying off for them when I feel like here lately, it's like their Western studios really popped off big with like Tomb Raider's first remake, or not remake, but reboot from Square. And then Rise of the Tomb Raider was fraught with controversy and lesser scores. And then Shadow of the Tomb Raider was fraught with a leak and then a, just a less than compelling game for a lot of people. And it scored lower than a lot of the other ones and was far more forgettable uh, and underperformed as a result. And you have all that going on from that side and you have them losing IO Interactive. Um, probably in a way, they probably thought that was like 
the smart move, right? I, I thought like Square was like, yeah, go. <laughs> we don't have to put up with what we think is investing money into a series that won't ever perform to the heights that we would expect. Um, but then you have what you could argue is mismanagement or anything that you want to call it. Their Japanese side of games come out and at the actual Square Enix developed level, not games that they're agreeing to publish like Left Alive. I don't know if you remember that game. Um, and not games like Babylon's Fall. Not even good examples like Near Automata and Near Replicant that end up doing very, very well for them. But their biggest games, Final Fantasy 15, Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Those are the only three big Japan games that they put out that were like AAA high level. They did put out Dragon Age, uh, what was it, 10, 11, 11. Um, and that did really mm. well. More of a double A style game. And they had Dragon Age Builders, which was, Hold on. I think, Hold on. Dragon awesome. Quest. Dragon Quest. Do I keep saying Dragon Age? You've said it like four times. So I was like, I got to correct him now. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Dragon <laughs> Quest. Uh, but yeah, all the Dragon Quest games, Dragon Quest 11, Dragon Quest Builders, um, all of those, and Dragon Quest Builders too, all those games came out and did really well for them. And. The big three that I mentioned, though, Final Fantasy VII, Kingdom Hearts III, and Final Fantasy XV, at the time of release for each one, were the best-selling games in any of their respective franchises. Some of the highest-reviewed games in any of their given franchises. And it's crazy because they did seem like they took forever to come out. But at the end of the day, a game taking forever to come out, as long as it comes out and performs really well doesn't really matter <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah i i agree with you and everything rude days except for the fact that their actual japan run side is probably the side they care about the most and delivers the, for what they expect more often than anything and i think what happens is is that they don't manage and of course i could be just as ignorant to anything but i i'm willing to imagine that because management in japan is different than management in the western side of things Square from a top brass level is expecting the same performance out of the differently managed Western side of their studios than what their Japanese ones are. And those expectations just cannot be met within the confines of what they're doing. Um, and then so you get games like Avengers and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that are either bombs for fans and sales or are critically acclaimed and fan loved like Guardians of the Galaxy, but maybe don't hit the mark for their sales. But they definitely seem to be a different thing. But you know, one thing I didn't bring up that when Kayla was talking about it. Yeah. One of the things I think Square has to deal with constantly with people who've been gaming for a long time is people who still call Square Enix Square Enix but talk about Square Enix not being as good as they used to be when most of the games that we're talking about were before they became Square Enix. And when you look at Square Soft, the original company that actually created Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and Kingdom Hearts even. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1 <laughs> was released as a Square Soft game. Yeah. Before the Enix merger that happened, People have rose-tinted goggles for a completely different company, in all honesty. You mm -hmm. can't really look and say, like, oh, why does you know, Square Enix will never make games as good as Final Fantasy VII, VIII, and IX again. But that's because that wasn't Square Enix. That was Square Soft. 
and that was a completely you know some of the people stayed and, and and merged into a company, but there's a reason that these things are different, and I think that that's to a degree important. And a lot of people who are big longtime Square fans have that belief that even if Square is okay now, they'll never be as good as what SquareSoft was when True. it was at its heights. What do you think, SquareSoft? Like, what do you think the pictures? Um, were of the Disney CEO that Squaresoft was able to get Kingdom Hearts done and still Man. be able to make it. What do you mean by... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. What? Like, they clearly have the CEO of Disney on film doing something nefarious. I had a feeling that's what you meant. To be able to yeah. make a game like Kingdom Hearts, like, listen, we're going to take your lovable Disney characters and put and put them alongside Mickey Mouse. very Japanese characters. <laughs> right. We're going to make a Final Fantasy game with Mickey Mouse. You know what I think it was? Hmm. Disney is really big in Japan. Sure. And, Tok- and Tokyo Disney World is very big for them. And I think that Disney saw very, very bottom dollar they had they could invest in something that might work out to where it can convince more people to go to Disneyland in Tokyo, and it just happened to be a lot bigger than that. <laughs> they got, <laughs> like they got lucky. I, but it's interesting. I don't know because Disney held. Uh, if you actually look through a lot of the design documents of what Sora was going to look like versus how he ended up, and what Tetsuya Nomura wanted versus what had to come, and some of the things that Disney essentially mandated, uh, Disney wanted. Uh, Mickey Mouse to be the main character, but Tetsuya Nomura was like, no. And he had a version of Sora that you can see where it's he's got like a tail and like a, a little weird like liney mohawk and he has a chainsaw blade. <laughs> That's and, sick. Oh, dude, it's, 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 it's a it's sick art. You should look it up. It's really cool looking. Um, but if you look at Sora in Kingdom Hearts 1, what you get is him meeting in the middle. He still creates Sora changes his weapon to a key instead because it wasn't as visceral as a chainsaw blade. Uh, and if you look, Sora's attire is Mickey. He he has red pants that have yellow buttons and red suspenders that come over on them. He has big feet that are yellow that match uh, Mickey's yellow feet. So yeah, he's got it's, feet. it's very interesting <laughs> figuring out where... So you, you see the old Sora? Uh, I couldn't find a picture of it. I'm going to find it. Hold on. Uh, it's it's concept art. I have it. I could take yeah, a picture it of it good. personally and send it. Oh, did you, did you find it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. it, it's... I mean, you know, it's it's very different. It still has like a... a I don't know if you ever heard of Klonoa, the, the Klonoa game yeah. from PS1 and PS2. It mm-hmm. almost gives me Klonoa vibes. Definitely like the little tuft of hair on the ear. <laughs> yeah. So, but Klonoa you know, vibes. It's, yeah, a, it's it's definitely a cool little cool little picture. It's decidedly different than what we actually have. You know yes. what I mean? So it's it's interesting to see how that goes down. Uh, but see, that was SquareSoft. That's the thing. Is like a lot of the history that people think of when they think of Square Enix doesn't really come from Square Enix. It comes from Enix essentially being like, we're just going to buy the better company <laughs> because we have <laughs> we have more money for whatever reason it be and we're just going to merge into them and rename ourselves so we can become, we can still stay Enix, but we can benefit from the Square branding that everyone loved about Squaresoft. So it's, yeah. 
like it's interesting get, to see uh, how it goes. Coney or Skonami. <laughs> Are you waiting for that to happen? <laughs> I am. It would be funny if uh, if they did this as like, you remember Coney 2012? Do you remember that whole thing? They do it. This, it'd be, it'd be <laughs> the search for Konami IP, and it's just that it's just like the guy doing that whole presentation, but about like Metal Gear, and then at the end it's like Kony 2022, and it's Sony and Konami's name pushed together. That would be so ridiculous. Oh man, we'd have to send money to help Sony acquire, <laughs> acquire Konami. <laughs> Make sure you put all these flyers up at your local Walmart at one in the morning for Stop Coney 2012. <laughs> there are starving IP in Konami's vaults. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> move on before we offend cents, someone. <laughs> for just 10 cents a day, you, you can, can feed help create Simon a new Belmont. Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I God. Like that. You know what? That would actually be a fantastic. If Konami were like, "Hey, we just we, we are still fine with publishing games, but we just want to not have to fund them ourselves, so we're going to do everything through crowdsourcing." Dude, if they just made their own thing and then everything was like, they were just like, "Look, guys, there are starving IP in the Konami vaults," and then they do like a little <laughs> video presentation of where you see like a little CGI Simon just like. <laughs> It's just a Sarah McLaughlin song playing over pick, over gameplay of Castlevania at the other night. Yeah, yeah, for just ten cents a day, <laughs> for the equivalent of ten cents a day. It's just they digitally do snake in like a little is. cage or whatever. Yeah, it's not even like a single donation of like twenty dollars or whatever. It's literally just you <laughs> subscribing. That's going on my subscription plan. Ten cents a day. <laughs> Just for 10 cents a day. Are. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I would do it. Do it, Konami, for $3 a month. I think that that's a, a pretty that's a pretty interesting marketing campaign. And oh, I, I think that they could get people month. to go for it. Absolutely. I guarantee you. Absolutely. Yeah, they can even Don't do it more, your right? Pasta. Castlevania's not getting any dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Uh, all right. We have... Uh, a little bit more here. We have TT Dog, one of our other patrons, Rude Days One as well. He says, It pains me when they have such good IPs that they choose to ignore. Vagrant Story and Parasite Eve, the two I'd love to see return, yet they'll knock out some dross like adventures and seem surprised when it doesn't sell. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, though. Yeah. If you think Avengers didn't sell, being as, as well known of an IP as it is, I love Vagrant Story and Parasite Eve. If they put the same amount of money into making a, va- a Vagrant Story or a Parasite Eve game as they <laughs> did for Marvel Avengers, that game would be even more of a failure. And oh, I, I I really wish I didn't believe that to be the case. But those IP do not have that type of namesake. And if they did, no. they would have sold a lot more when they first came out. There's a reason that we got 18 more Final Fantasy games and only one more Parasite Eve game since PS1. <laughs> Yeah, and it's give, unfortunate. Uh, now, if you look at it and say, "Hey, instead of doing one Avengers, choose two teams and spend half the money uh, on a Vagrant Story and Parasite Eve," fair argument, fair argument. And you don't got to pay any licensing agreements. Give uh, Tango GameWorks Parasite Eve. Actually, dude, from like pure design aesthetic alone, from Ghostwire, I think that they would kill. Hell yeah, they would. 
Dude, Ghostwire has oh, yeah, some of the most fly ass clothing. <laughs> like when I was playing, I was like, <laughs> I don't dress this way at all, but all the characters in the game look cool. <laughs> yeah, I just appreciate that. It's not Take a picture I'm of them into your seeing. local Hot Topic, and you're like, I want this outfit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty sick. I, I like. I was looking at myself. I was like, "Can I pull off these little like scrunch legged pants <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> that can. that KK's character wears?" And I was like, "His shoes are sick too." I think if they're smart, which they probably are doing this in game, he has a pair of shoes that's got like a little half of a Tory gate on it. And I'm yeah. like, "Dude, they're going to release these as real shoes. They're totally going to release these as real shoes." Definitely should. Hey man, if they're all right shoes, if uh, you remember the when PlayStation was selling shoes with Nike. Yeah, they did the uh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember the. They had two different sets. Now. Paul George uh, sets of Sony shoes. They yeah, and those yep, dude, they sold for so much money. Oh my god! So anyway, yeah, they do have a lot of of, of great IP, but Square would have to really change the way they're looking at doing games and they would have to give it like dragon quest 11 treatment you know to be like hey we're gonna do a smaller budget vagrant story which i think you'll see them willing to do right because we saw valkyria uh, valkyria chronicle is getting a new game with our valkyria profile um is getting that new game and that was a very niche ip from them as well so it never say never that's what I would say. Um, let's never see. Say never. Another, as this as this kind of goes on, Rude Cold replies to that and says, "Absolutely spot on." Square have made some strange decisions over the years, where they really have some very poor games that they are happy to release, like The Quiet Man and Left Alive. I yes. would be happy for them to release fewer but more quality games. More Quiet Man, please. Here's the, what's funny about that though is that the games that Square does put out quickly, no one likes. The games that they take years to make, <laughs> everyone's like, hurry it up, Square. And then they're like, but at least the game is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This whole community stake is just making me more comfortable in my thought that Sony should not buy Square Enix. I think if Sony buys Square, it's all about valuation. How much do they buy them for? Well, sure. If you can get them for like 50 cents in a McDonald's gift card, like, yeah, you buy Square <laughs> Enix. But I, <laughs> I don't think that's what they're going for. And I think, I don't know. If you're spending $50 billion on Square Enix, just buy the Konami IP and then buy a bunch of studios. Like, I was thinking about this recently, right? What if what if Microsoft Sony does what Microsoft did when they and they announced like in exile double fine? You remember that E3 where they had mm-hmm. the screen? It's like these are all our purchases. But they should yeah. just do that and then but have it's it all be Konami like Konami IP. And then it goes. We've also bought High Moon Studio, Moon Studio, Super Giant. You know that. And then these guys are all making these IP. You know we bought IO. We like do that. That's what I think would be cool. And I wonder if that would be something viable for them to do one day. Uh, I don't know. It, it all comes down to sheer money and what Konami would sell. Because I almost feel like any IP would end up being sold for more value than what it's worth. Because Konami goes, it's worth money just sitting in our vault and anybody will pay for it. But as long as we hold on to it, we have the potential to make, an, make a game or a license. Yeah. So letting go of it entirely and losing the value of ownership, I feel like Sony would overpay for every one of those IP. Again, it well, goes just, back to that idea. License it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Do the uh, 
do the Disney thing. It's like we have an exclusive license to all your IP, and we've bought we've bought these eight studios to make IPs to make to them. make specifically this. And then, hey, our two D Castlevania games; those are PlayStation Spartacus games. Yeah, dude, I was just about to say, no joke, that this is actually the power plan right here. Eight small studios mm-hmm. licensing the Konami Studio IP that everyone loves, and all of those very reasonable ten million, twenty million dollar budget games make all of those Spartacus games, and suddenly you have a way more compelling version of Spartacus. Exactly. Like, yeah, maybe it's not viable to put God of War, and then but it's definitely let's, let's viable. Let's make it to even put... better. Mm-hmm. Look, you can you can be like, all right, and as part of doing that. All of the classic Konami IP that were PS1 games are going to be available as part of PS. Yeah, it's going to be on on the PS Premium. All of these games are going to come back because we have uh, access to license now. We can re-release these games as PS Spartacus Premier games. And then they just do that and they're like, also, Nixus is updating all of them. (laughs) Nixus and Valkyrie. There you go. That's what I would do. You guys wanted Metal Gear Solid uh, remakes? We're not remaking them, but you can get them all upgrade. You can get the Blue Point versions further upgraded by Nixus and Valkyrie for PS5. That's pretty interesting. I don't know if it'll happen. But that's that's very much dream talking, but that's it sounds great on paper. Well, I'm sure someone who has way more business knowledge, but go ahead. But you've mentioned it before where it's like logically, why would you buy the IP? Because then you have to take Sucker Punch and have them make this or from mm-hmm. software and have them make Castlevania. So instead of that, like I said, you just buy you small have to buy, indie studios. Yeah, yeah you Drink have to box. buy studios to make it. Drink box. Like, just think about that. Drinkbox, you know, I can't remember the Deathstall Studios, but the Deathstall guys, oh, Super uh, Twin Giant, Motion. Twin Motion, or Motion Twin. Yeah, um, yeah whatever. Yeah, uh, the, the Cuphead guys. Buy all of them. Just be like, we'll give you... We're spreading a billion dollars between these 10 studios, and then we've also secured the exclusive license from Konami for their IP. Easy. Yeah, it's funny that a lot of my ideas right now are based around how to make PlayStation Plus Premier, Premium, whatever it is, more valuable. Because that would be the value of Square Enix. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I think that would be a lot of the, if you make smart acquisitions that can bolster that without being too costly, I think you make something that potentially runs into more. I still always wonder like how notable are these games and companies to where people would still in in flocks drove toward that premium thing. Definitely when you have people gaming the system and buying these PS Now cards and PS Now things so that it'll get converted but the idea is there i'm just genuinely curious how much it'll be tapped into um but i don't don't know it's it's one of those things Saul, um i know that you've talked about in the past the idea of the konami stuff as well in terms of them getting it but i mean and this is something that's going to come up a little bit later when we're talking about the news of uh of, of something sega related but i mean what do what do people want? Do people want more Castlevania? That's that's you know middle budget ten million dollar game. That's more two D focused. It's almost more like Bloodstained. Or yes. do people want Castlevania, but they want Castlevania as like a, a hundred million dollar triple A game? Nobody wants that. That's I, mean, I don't want that. See, I, I agree in that. I, I'm I'm down. Chris, you're muted. I'm down to try it if they want to do it, but I'm also down for the cheap version. But is that everyone? Is it enough people to justify that move? You know? 
It also entirely depends on what the game is, right? Because if Sony announced tomorrow that they'd contracted from software to make a game in the Castlevania universe and they were spending $100 million, I'd be like, holy shit, let's go. You know what I mean? But like, if they were There's like, a lot oh, of yeah, factors, we're yeah. Bloober team, we've, we've contracted Bloober team for $100 million Silent Hill, I would say no thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're right. There's a lot of factors and a lot of puzzle pieces that can make one movie to look really cool and really smart or really dumb. And I like to think that Sony has their ear enough to the ground to choose the right studios for the right IP. But sometimes Sony makes weird decisions. (laughs) So I don't know. I've been beating the drum forever and I will continue to beat the drum of a motion twin Castlevania game would be the best possible outcome from all of this. I'm curious how long those little independent developers last as independent developers. Drinkbox being a big one. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about that. Tencent's going to buy Drinkbox like tomorrow. <sighs> you're, you're probably right and that's what's worse. All or of these Embracer. companies that we're talking Tencent about will probably be... Yeah. Well, Embracer's the better of the two. I agree. <laughs> if it's, if it's like going to happen. Yeah, Embracer's what if got Sony a lot of buys IP. Embracer and they go from Dude, what? Oh, Activision? They would, Ooh, they would got 110 have, new studios. They would suddenly have 400 games in development. <laughs> what if they made a so funny? What if they made a VanillaWare Castlevania? Hold yeah. on, VanillaWare. Um, Dragon's oh. Crown, uh, Aegis, Thirteen Sentinels, which is a game I need to desperately uh, play soon. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay, I was like, I know that name. Yeah. I'm officially done eating now, by the way, boys. Okay. Well, hear me that. out on this, right? S- Sony buys Sega and the Konami IP, and they give Atlas Metal Gear, and they do it like Persona. <laughs> what? I think no. people would riot streets if I'm I would being honest. Sh- I don't give a shit. I would play the hell out of that. That would be <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Snake is just a silent protagonist and they're in high school, but it's just like a military barracks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just fortunate sun remixes all the time. Oh. I would be super in. <laughs> I would want I would want him to not be silent though. I'd want him to walk around. Oh hi, Meryl. <laughs> <laughs> he Colonel. only talks in the codex, but the joke is that he's in the codex directly next to people the whole time. <laughs> it's like no, I can only talk to you in my iPad. <laughs> That's hello. So I gotta get you to know, math class. You know, finding interesting ways to use IP though always depends on the IP and how serious or not that it is. I yeah. one thing I like about IP that never takes itself overly serious, and I would argue that sometimes uh, Metal Gear Solid has moments of being kind of goofy enough that you could think it would work anywhere. But he I think most of the time it's pretty serious. To this point where I have a hard time seeing it work in certain things. That might be one of them. But I think there's other IP you could paint you could do that with and you'd be like, it works, even though he, he hides in a box. He does hide in a box. <laughs> the game does not take itself seriously until Snake is crying at a gravestone or something. <laughs> I only know the gif. I haven't played Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> <laughs> You should play Metal Gear Solid 4 just for the microwave tunnel. No, you shouldn't. Uh, well, yeah. Don't ever listen to that advice. <laughs> I'm going to play Metal Gear Solid 4 just so I can get the Platinum, which is supposed to be absolutely insane. Yeah, that's 
That's bad advice too. Hey, hold on. You telling me you telling me that you don't have fond memories of the microwave tunnel? Bro, you telling me I don't have fond memories of holding up on the analog stick <laughs> for like an yeah. hour? Hold on. You you got to tap X as well. Oh, so where my name <laughs> is to Mayo get back now. Up every time you fall down. Yeah. That where but my at least it's for a goal. There's a story the of my name is the Mayo. Home. There's a snake Just in my booth. You... That's what I thought you were about to say. <laughs> <laughs> there is, though. There's a story in My Name is Mayo, and it's a heartfelt, wonderful story about a can of mayo. Speaking so of... It's on different costumes. Dude, I am telling you, if I was the people behind that, My Name is Mayo 2 would have been the turn... Or even 3, right? Somewhere along the way, you build up this ridiculous thing of being this game with stupid tapping the jar and trying on things and getting easy platinum, and then suddenly you pull the rug out from everyone and you make the most heartfelt love story of all time. Or whatever, redemption story, coming of age story with mayonnaise, you could totally pull this off and just have a blast. If you, Make dude, a- I, I swear to you, if you if you looked someone in the eye and you thought and you said, I gave you two easy platinums and then with my next game, I made you cry about a jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> that is such an amazing statement in and of itself that you Make would it have a Dark earned Souls a- game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Whatever they make it. I just think if the next game is like a real artsy uh, walking simulator, that would be so good. That would, it would I would play good. it. I would play. I would. It. You need to play the pizza delivery boy who saved the world. You think I would enjoy it? Yeah, it's it's hilarious, dude, and it's hilarious I, because of how low budget it is. Like I could have made that game. Is with it like nothing Twilight but my hilarious? iPhone? No, it's better. Yes. Well, yes. He goes back in time and saves the world as a pizza delivery boy. And it's all... So Futurama? Yeah, pretty much. All the characters are like pictures of real people and all their interactions are in about three to four different pictures of them. It's hilarious. Oh, dude, I love it. You'll like I'm it. not gonna Story lie. I actually, I really like when a game or a movie or anything is at this weird level of where you feel like you could have done it and yet it still has charm. Yeah. The most difficult thing about that game was the art, was the writing. Like everything else is just <laughs> it's just point and click. Not even it's just like a visual novel where you just choose dialogue options and read it. It's a book, but it's hilarious. Interesting. Okay. Uh, all right. We're going to move on from this, but I'll give Kiki last word. He says Kingdom Hearts galore, so it's all forgiven. Uh, because he's he's getting to have his Kingdom Hearts cake and eat it too as of late. Um, so Just wait until I'll I give, actually I'll start give them playing that. in if I don't like it. It's going to come in here with a Tommy gun shooting keyblades at everybody. It's weird at because you. I actually feel like in a lot of ways, Kingdom Hearts 1 may be the most mature of them all no. in terms of the way Sick. it handles its themes. No. But that's because it doesn't have baggage of any other game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Saul well, clearly disagrees. I, I'll make that determination. Uh, I just got to get through, you know, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Sick name. Thanks for that. I thought you were trying to Dude, be facetious. I'm like, you nailed it if you if you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what I was wondering when I was going on that rant. Like how much I know the characters in my rant were not right, but how much of that story is actually close. 
Uh-oh. It'll be interesting to see you play it. What, what's funny about the 358 Days Over 2, which is actually what the the name, I think, is supposed to be, because it's 358 days shared over two people, two individuals. Um I'm pretty sure that's right. If I'm wrong, then blast me with your Kingdom Hearts knowledge. But um, the game is not bad, the DS game. But the movie's actually really good (laughs) if you like the characters. But that all depends on if you get that far, you've only gotten that far because you like the characters, if we're being honest. By the movie, do you mean the cut scene or do you mean like Master Masters movie? No, I mean like what they did with uh, that game is made it into a series of high detail cinematics oh, see, I didn't that, know that tell the story. I know that they did so that. So it's, it's essentially watching the story as a movie. Okay. Like they did with Union Cross. Master Masters ain't a bad movie though either. What's what I'm talking about? Union Cross, right? The one that came with 2.8 that talks about all the uh, forebears. What was, yeah, what was the actual name of that movie? Was it Union Cross? It was Union Cross, yeah. It was just the phone game distilled into a more easily... It, it might have had a sub name, um, but yeah, that's more or less it. Union Cross. Either way, we'll move off of Kingdom Hearts so that uh, nothing gets ruined or spoiled or anything for Chris. Thanks. Not that he, not that he necessarily cares. Uh, we're going to move to the no, news though. Uh, the news starts off with the announcement that the corpse of Marvel's Avenger is adding Jane Foster as a playable character. She'll be added in version 2.5. The update is currently targeting May. So for Weekend at Bernie's 3, check your calendar (laughs) for May. Um, You know, I give them credit for not being EA with Bioware and dropping a game that they promised to fix. Um that's, you know, I think that at least for people who bought the game, they don't feel like it's being abandoned. And I use, and not <laughs> that this game will ever reach those heights, but I use, <laughs> yeah, I know, Chris. I use um, No Man's Sky as an example of a time when a company could have easily done that and gotten away with it, and then they didn't. So I bet for anybody who bought No Man's Sky in that first, you know, launch window and then felt like, oh, did I waste my money? and then had that feeling of it coming back and finally hitting the point of what they wanted. That's a great feeling, and I think every company should try and go towards that if they can. So if Marvel's Avengers does literally get to that point, then I'll applaud them. And if nothing else, I'll applaud that they literally tried and put the work in and put it out and wanted to see how people reacted. Um, Unlike people who bought Anthem, and Anthem is just the game that it is. I mean, I enjoyed the game for what it was, but they promised to do more, and then they didn't. So... It's funny. It's easy to hang, you know, (laughs) it's easy to put the sunglasses on and hoist the body of Marvel's Avengers up on a thing and wave at pretty ladies and, you know, have all the weekend at Bernie's jokes that you can with it. But at the same time, I appreciate that they're at least doing that. And it's it's fun to punch at every now and then. But I think that that was the last step to them becoming Bioware, though, or EA is if they didn't do it. I feel like they probably had to and they knew it, too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things to where I feel like sometimes it comes down to money, and I'm sure if EA had that feeling, then that's what it is. Uh, one second, guys. Kyrie, what's going on? <laughs> hey, baby, get out of the camera. Come here. You guys have fun talking about whatever. Wait, what? <laughs> what's your favorite movie, Saul? Um, Zodiac. 
Zodiac, really? Probably, okay. yeah. I, I go back and forth between Zodiac and Prisoners. Damn, big uh, Jake Jill Hugo man. Well, it's oh, like Jake Jill Hall man, but yeah, actually, um, I, what is you know you asked me this. Fincher directed Zodiac. Oh yeah, he did. Did I don't he? know why I said Villeneuve. Well, no, yeah. no, I I, th- I totally thought when you said it. Um, you know, we talk about this at work sometimes. What is your Mount Rushmore of movies? Your top four. It's easy to do, do top three. Four kind of kind of rough. Um, Training Day. Okay, um, interesting. Good movie. Training Day. Ah. I feel like up in the air is probably on my Mount Rushmore. Up in the air put, is definitely in yours. You talk about yeah. it all the time. I've never heard of I that movie. I love that movie. It's an incredible movie. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse and then... My man. The Departed. The Departed's really good. Yeah, those are my four. Brett, you might as well jump in on it. We'll get a little bit of midweek Matt Nye on here. It's your Mount Rushmore Dude. movies. What a hard question. Mount Rushmore you know specifically why? makes it hard. The reason that it's hard is because I feel like most people have a different Mount Rushmore for different purposes, right? Like, I could easily bust out four of my all-time favorite movies. Well, that's what this Would is, I dummy. Would I say that they're the best movie? Oh, hold yeah. on, hold on. Would I say that they're some of the best movies ever made? No. That's not what that's this is, what though. This is what hard. your top four is. This is your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, but it's different moods, right? So I almost feel like my, my, it'll have to be like every president's head is going to have to account for a different mood. <laughs> you know? Ooh, if that's the case, then mine would be Training Day, Twilight, Avengers, oh, yeah. uh, up in the air. <laughs> boy, Martin Scorsese is rolling around in his pretty good pre-existent grave. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> well, the reason I say is like, I absolutely adore the new guy. It is not some pinnacle of film. It's a good, I mean, it's a well-crafted movie. It has a story and a plot to move forward in character development, but it's not like some, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it does better than some Bare modern minimum. movies. <laughs> well, dude, sure. some, modern, some modern movies don't even do that, if we're being That's honest. That's not a bad point. Did you see it in chapter two? <laughs> yes, I did. That was not great. So point being is that I would never be like pinnacle of film, the new guy, but I love that movie. I could watch it again and again and again and again. So uh, I'm going to throw out there in a, in a weird way. I'm going to say the new guy. Um, They got to come to you pretty quickly. Forrest, one. For, Forrest Gump is a fantastic movie. I'm putting Forrest Gump in there. What's up? Okay. So what, what, what were you trying to get? Oh, I say they got to come quickly. But that's what okay, makes it okay. off the top of your head. Like right, uh, for me, if you ask fine, me this question, fine. it's always going to be Zodiac, Prisoners, I Love You, Man, and the famous Jack Jackson movie. Like those, those are the <laughs> the famous Jack Jackson. All right, fine. Actually, a fa- fantastic the new guy, movie. Forrest Gump, Tropic Thunder, Joe Dirt. I'm cool with that. Uh, so like the <laughs> the worst like early 2000 <laughs> movies. <laughs> You know it, buddy. See tears. <laughs> now, re- really, prisoners is in there. I'd probably replace Joe Dart with prisoners, but I've said it, so it's set in stone. Isn't that what Rushmore is? That makes the list even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> prisoners suddenly in there. Yeah. <laughs> Tropic Thunder anyway. is one of my all-time favorite movies. So, 
I will uh, I'll go to bat for it for any time. It's a great movie. Uh, all right, let's see. Picking up off where we left off. Uh, next on the list is the now live update for Battlefield 2042. Among weapon changes and fixes for the title, the update. Uh, the update's big additional feature is the inclusion of in-game voice chat. Finally, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so hard yeah, to get out. They yeah, the game launched without in-game voice chat. Battlefield. The last update. Yeah, Battlefield the last 2042. Update, yes, they just added a scoreboard in the last update. So you're shitting me. No, no. Dude, that game came out unfinished. And I almost pre-ordered that shit. I, I, I almost <laughs> then, did look, too. I was I so excited. I don't know for that if the game, game is. I don't know if the game, even at launch as an unfinished game, had any kind of fun to its loop, but it's clearly an unfinished game if the natural things for an online game scoreboard and in-game voice chat are not present. It's been like half it's a, a crazy year, too. Six months. Yeah. Well, okay, anyway. if we're being honest, though, isn't that essentially what's going on with Halo Infinite and co-op? It's like I co-op, don't. No, co-op is not on the same level as in-game voice uh, you're chat right, and you're the right. scoreboard. You're right. You're right. Those are base level features for those games, but online they shooter. Both, they both carry the problem. The thing of, oh, well, we're going to add that shortly after launch, and then six months later, you're adding in things that originally you said were oh, going to be shortly cool. after launch. I don't get sure. where that's kind of come along, but you, you, you're not wrong. Halo Infinite's a great game, but they already learned from Halo 5 that people want to play Halo co-op. <laughs> right. I don't get that. And they still just were like, we're going to put it out anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is at some point. We're dealing with it. So, Battlefield's in a weird spot right now. Uh, moving on, next thing. Sega's strong move onto the silver screen uh, seems to be moving in a second to a second franchise. Deadline is reporting that the company behind the hit Sonic movies, DJ2 Entertainment, is developing a Streets of Rage movie with Derek Kolstad, the creator of the John Wick franchise, behind it. This has a potential to be a really cool movie in a very different way than Sonic, right? Yeah. I hope this is like a hard R. <laughs> Streets of Rage, though, the reason I say that is that that game is just a PG game. Oh, what, what's the equivalent to PG? Teen? Teen, right? I would say. Or no, well, probably hold on. E because there's E10. So yeah, you're e probably, probably right. PG. Well, what I was trying to think of is like Mortal Kombat's always been up there, right? But was Street Fighter anything past teen? I would have imagined not. No, I Street so. Rage wouldn't have been. I I imagine Double Dragon wasn't. No, I don't right? Hmm. Double Dragon was. I think always I E, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, those are like those weird brawler style games, like Ninja Turtles old games. I, right, I, yeah, they're right, just you know? beat 'em ups. I'm not a fan of the beat 'em up. Genre. I think a lot of it comes down to blood, right? I think the 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 differential factor for Mortal Kombat, even though it's not nearly as old as those, uh, in, in all honesty, but the differentiating factor for Mortal Kombat was blood, uh, at least on the the Genesis version. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember blood being painted green, if I remember right, on gray, uh, or or maybe it's out one of those two on the the Super Nintendo version, yeah. It's gray blood, sweat. What a, they called it sweat. <laughs> They're just sweating, bro. Yeah. Um, just hitting the sweat off each other. Weird move, but that's okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge Streets of Rage fan, but they could either make a campy thing that ties into its kind of more animated like depiction, or they can go hard with it if like you said they can really push it and do like john wick or if they're doing it from the creator john wick uh he did nobody as well right or was was it yeah i think so i don't i think it was him yeah that's Mm -hmm. a good movie 
So to that, I end, would like to watch anything. a hardcore Streets of Rage movie. That would be sick. Well, you know, it's weird. Like I've always kind of considered Streets of Rage kind of like the Warriors. <laughs> I've never seen the movie or even played the game. I've just seen pictures, but it's like a gamified version of the Warriors to me in that it's kind of meant to be campy. I don't know if that's actually true about what the game does. It's just the outside looking in. You know, I've played a little bit of Streets of Rage, but not enough to get a good feel for it. But Double Dragon's kind of campy. Right? You know what? Speaking <laughs> of like the Warriors, and if you've ever seen Double Dragon, like the movie from like the early 90s, this this applies to that too. What was up with like in the late 80s, early 90s that everything looked dirty in movies? Do you know what I'm talking about? Now, do you mean like, like grimy. the city was like yeah. and grimy? It was like gr- it's gotta yeah. be gritty. Yeah. But, I didn't know if it was that or if it was just like this obsession with sewing because a lot of those things take place in New York as a, as a proxy for where they really were. And mm-hmm. there's this like weird obsession with sewing New York in this grimy sense. Well, it was like Blade Runner did it too, like where it was like the buildings mm-hmm. looked wet or something. Like it was just nasty. Mm-hmm. I think it's like this idea of, to, an, to a degree at least, of dystopian Just, Yeah, ideas. dystopia, but... Yucky. The Warriors did it real bad. Uh, Double Dragon did it. If y'all have never seen that movie, by the way, that movie's something. Is Dolph Lundgren in that? No. I don't think no, he so. Was, uh, Street Fighter. He was in... He played. He uh, was Guile. in Street Fighter, but he was also no, he in Bison, Masters of the Universe, the He-Man movie Ugh. they did in the 80s. Yeah, no, uh, he played Guile. He-Man is an awful franchise and will always be an awful franchise. Whoa. Yeah. Salsa, I was never a fan of He Man. I was forced to watch it as a kid. It was like, this is dumb. It was like Popeye. I was forced to watch Popeye <laughs> as a kid. Abuse by Popeye. Thundercats? Did you ever watch the Thundercats reboot they did in like 2008? It was like really anime inspired. Hey, Thundercats. It was awesome, though. I didn't like original Thundercats either, but the one that they did that got ended up getting canceled that was like anime inspired was really cool. Um, while we're on the topic of Sega, though, Let's talk about this rumor going around about Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio reboots that are among Sega's super game plans. And this is Uh, an article. The one I chose to pull up is just uh, Push Square was the first one that showed up. So I'm going to look at their thing. But uh, according to the report, which cites, quote, people familiar with Sega's plans, end quote, the publisher has greenlit reboots of Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. This pair of Dreamcast classics is surely on everyone. This is here's from them. I'm trying to get to what's actually coming. Um, hold on. Here it is. Uh, apparently, the Crazy Taxi reboot has been in development for about a year with the aim of releasing somewhere around 2025. The catch may be these upcoming games will for, take the form of live service games akin to something like Fortnite, potentially including microtransactions, crossover content, NFTs. Now, I don't know exactly what? where this is all coming from, but I it's very weird how this is kind of being thrown out there. And more importantly, something that you said whenever I kind of half mentioned this before we started recording, Saul, is do these games need to be big budget? Crazy Taxi, I think, is a really easy question. <laughs> no. No. I don't, I don't think either one of these why games you, would, you don't need to be. I think double A is where they fit. Well, that, what I was going to say about Jet Set is I think Jet Set has such a, a voracious fan base that love them. And want to play more Jet Set 
And I think they're the perfect people who would be like, we don't need, now it doesn't mean that it can't be good. It could be good. But I don't think any of them would just go down the hill of, if we ever get a new Jet Set Radio, it has to be a AAA game. I think most would be happy with something that's akin to what you had with Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Future. Uh, and then from there, finding ways to modernize it a little bit with the gameplay while still letting the art style exist in that realm. I think the moment you start going really high dollar with Jet Set, you start to get into different graphical expectations from the budget and the way that you're doing things. And I just don't know. I think it would be a lot more of a risk for Sega. And I don't think Sega needs to take those risks when it's not tied to trying to sell hardware. I mean, there's a reason that Sonic games don't normally get crazy, crazy, crazy budgets. It's because they don't need to sell hardware. They're selling on everything anyway. It's unfortunate because Sonic could be a hit after hit game like Mario is, but they don't give it the same reverence as Nintendo does to uh, Mario. But Chris, I know that you love Jet Set Future. I do. And uh, saw, I, I would imagine that much like me, you you had a Dreamcast and went through there and you at least played Jet Set Radio, right? I did play Jet Set Radio, but I never owned the Dreamcast, unfortunately. Okay, well you just probably played Big Seth. I, I know yes. that he had one too. Um, that said though, when I think about that that series, I don't think of a series that screams to me a need to be triple A. I would even go as far as the wonder, which gaming was so different back then. Was Jet Set Radio originally considered a triple A game? Probably. I would say yeah. But it's just moved I mean, the, the needles move so far from there that it's it would be hard to th- even think of that type of game as triple A now to a degree. I, I mean I just want to see what they do. Right. <laughs> First of all, they need to get the the composer back who did the the Jet Set Radio, Jet Set Radio Future soundtracks. That's just obvious. Yep. And then, I don't know. Like, am I interested in a more photorealistic, open world graffiti Jet Set? Probably. See, but, I think I think art style is part of the identity of that thing. Not to a point that you can't push it. I think you could, but I'm trying to think of what that might look like. You know, if, like if you really, if you really pushed it without tipping over, Borderlands may not be a terrible example. Yeah, um, and then you start to think like, what game wise, what do they do? Do they do like something more skate like? Even skate at this no. point, I feel like I'm really curious to see Skate Four or whatever they're calling it, whether it be a reboot. Like, what's the gameplay loop, and are people willing to pay sixty dollars for a game where you just ride around an open world and skateboard? I am. But is the majority of the market? I'm not. Um, I don't know, but this doesn't need to be anything crazy. Just needs to give me like the same story from Jet Set. They're going around trying to stop a, a evil government through graffitiing the front of helicopters. Like that's what I want. Give me a ridiculous story about a bunch of teenagers in '90s aesthetic clothes going after the big government. Like I'm in for that. Yeah, but are you in for that at a sixty dollars price point? Uh, if it's good, I'll pay. Uh, I would buy the collector's edition. So yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean that, that's fair. Uh, and, and for us, I could see that. I mean, I I would, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now. If they make a new jet set, I will probably buy it just out of sheer curiosity alone. I, that's yeah. probably it. I would even probably need to see much of the game. I would just buy it because I'd be like, what did they decide to do with Jet Set Radio for the first time in 20 years? Mm-hmm. But I would be really. I mean, from that standpoint, there's value. But I would be curious for Sega's value of their seeing like they have data that we don't. Clearly, they must be seeing a want for that game in a way that is quantifiable for them 
but not necessarily obvious to us who just see online chatter, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think about Crazy Taxi going <laughs> live service? Like, I feel like this is a leak that, or not a leak, this is a made up rumor just to trigger it, fans of it's Crazy a rumor. Taxi. It definitely taxi could be entirely fake. And Jet Set. I don't know. <sighs> Am I crazy for thinking a live service game for Crazy Taxi doesn't sound that bad? Depending on what the if, live service is. If the live service if it's is free is to play. Up, yeah. Yeah. If, but even if it's not free to play, if it's a $60, like, Every month we change the passengers you have to get and we add new routes and we add new cars, we add new taxis. Like, I'm in. I'll try. Here's my devil's advocate argument for this. And this is something that other people bring up about games and how games have changed and that you get to this point where certain new games start to do everything, right? You can't... It's harder to sell just a racing game when... Grand Grand Theft Auto Five is like, hey, we have racing, so then you it starts to feel like, well, you either going to be like super realistic, like Grand Turismo is doing, because in the other sphere you have people who are like, well, I can just do all the arcadey stuff in Grand Theft Auto. Now that's not everyone; it's just a, a light example. But it's kind of like, okay, well, you can't have a car combat game do too well right now because PUBG can just update their game to include vehicles and car combat, and bam, there you go. You have car combat that you can still get out of the car, run around, do things out of the car. And those arguments, at least when you step back and look at them, seem to make sense. I wonder how much the actual market is would would agree with that to the point where would a game that's just Crazy Taxi work when Fortnite could just be like, we're going to make a mode where you can drive around our map in a car and pick people up? I'm not saying they would at all, but any existing game could add that in, much like we saw Fortnite do with Among Us, um, and then be instantly more popular. So I feel like there's almost got to be more. Though at the end of that rabbit hole, you could say that Fortnite could update to include anything and, and push anything out of the market if they really wanted to put that work in. But that's kind of where I think of is that gameplay loop catchy enough in modern day or not? So, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I hope they do it. I want to see what this Jet Set radio, radio is. I mean, I'm with you on Jet Set. I just think that any nostalgia for Crazy Taxi is just, it's, I don't think it carries to a new game in a, in a well known no, way. I, but I think that gameplay is good enough that it won't matter as long as it's fun. Maybe. Maybe. We'll definitely see what ends up coming as a result of it. Uh, moving along, though, uh, Robert Morrison, a developer at Sony's Visual Arts Studio, is suggesting that a, quote, banger game is <laughs> coming this year and is not God of War Ragnarok. He doesn't give much hint as to what the game is, but rumors pegged the studio that being Sony Visual Arts, as the minds behind The Last of His remake initially before it got folded back into Naughty Dog. Uh, and that has been rumored for a 2022 release as well. So we could be talking about that. Hard to say. It's, yeah, it's weird it's to look no. at Sony's catalog and think, who hasn't delivered in the last year? Two years. You know, like the way that these studios kind of rotate through, it's like what developer would be up at this point? Insomniac is pretty probably tapped as they're going to get. Sucker, excuse me, Sucker Punch put out Ghost recently. You have Naughty Dog, who just recently put out The Last of Us and the stuff they're doing, but they have that extra team working on The Last of Us remake. And Polyphony did GT7. So it is hard to think of what could be a banger that's not probably The Last of Us remake, if we're being honest. 
Uncharted remake. It's possible. <laughs> I would take it an is. Uncharted remake over a Last of Us remake any day, by the way. I would too, because Uncharted 1 is so much less playable than, yeah. than The Last of Us but, 1 is. Like, it's the not thing unplayable, is, but it's No, and the, la- the Last of Us 1 isn't either, but I do think if you took The Last of Us 1 and gave me The Last of Us 2's gameplay and visuals, that's a, that's a candidate for a game of best game of all time, in my opinion. Last of Us 1, but with yeah. the, looking like The Last of Us 2, easy. Dude, I, I, I don't dis. I don't doubt for one minute that that's what they're choosing to do with this. Absolutely. But I wonder because it depends on how far along in development it got at the other place and under what engine that they would be doing the same thing. Because it would make more sense to use their engine from The Last of Us Two and work mm-hmm. the game into that, so that they have the same visual style and there's a consistency across them. Just be prepared for Joel and Ellie to look like the TV show characters. Telling you they're going to do that. No, I do that. I say what they are going look, to. Hey, hey, ten ten dollars. I'll put I'll put ten dollars. I'll take on a ten dollar bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, take a ten dollar bet. bet on that. I just I I don't now. Let's just clarify for the sake of bet. We're not saying that there'll be an option. You're saying that the default version of these characters will look like. Bella Ramsey or whatever her name is. Yep. And, and Pedro um, Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I, I so, do. All right. I think that they will be an option, but they will not be the default. I think that game is announced with those characters. If the option will be turned on in the announcement trailer. That I, one's I, a more I, that one's a more interesting thing. I guarantee you that an announcement trailer, if it comes alongside the show, shows them. <laughs> But at this point, we'll just have to wait and see who gets that ten dollars. That sweet, sweet ten dollars. Can't buy that much yep. right now, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> buy we'll one see. tank of gas. What, a one tank, tank? A for my motorcycle? Tank. No, a single gallon. gallon sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, bro, where joke. are you getting gas for ten dollars a tank? <laughs> <laughs> Inflation killed my joke. <laughs> you could say it was inflated. <laughs> or deflated. Damn it. Yeah, inflation didn't just kill your joke. It murdered it. This <laughs> <laughs> joke wasn't just anyway. killed. It was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. The once Switch exclusive game, No More Heroes 3, is coming to other platforms this year. The new versions will improve the visuals, frame rate, and, of course, load times, which... I'll tell you, let me let me step back for a second and talk a little bit more about Ghostwire. Only because it's a great example of very fast loading. Oh, okay. You'd fast travel anywhere, and for cleanup of stuff I was doing around the game, it would be a game that would be infinitely more annoying to Platinum on last-gen consoles. Oh, I bet. But a lot of that, that annoyance goes away when you can zip around the map at you know, 0.2 seconds. So mm-hmm. to that degree, that's kind of where you want to be with it. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about earlier that I'm playing on a PS3, and my God, we forget how blessed we are right now. Oh, you do have, for sure. I have one quest <laughs> that I'm doing where I have to fast travel to an area through a loading screen just to click on the door to load into another loading screen. It's <laughs> to go worse. talk to someone inside that place. To leave through that door to fast travel out. <laughs> it's awful. 
You know, one thing I think I would also notice going back to PS3, and maybe not, but I really feel like it. Uh, speaking of Ghostwire, its use of the dual sense really is one of those things where if I played a similar type of game on a different controller, I think I would feel like these things are missing. When I'm doing this action, I don't feel the trigger resisting me. When I'm doing this, I don't feel the way that the the haptics end up playing off. And then uh, one thing that I showed Saul that I knew he would he would be down for because he always talks about this uh, DS Castlevania game Aria of Sorrow, where you had to seal away demons after you beat them in the boss fight by drawing a sigil on the touchscreen, um, and it would yeah. seal them away because you know a lot of a lot of religious stuff. Um, you know, a lot of spiritual-based stuff looks at that idea. And there's a mechanic within uh, Ghostwire where you can use the analog stick, which I'm sure they just built in so that when it goes to Xbox eventually and PC that it works. Um, but on PlayStation 5, at least, you can draw the sigil out on the touchpad. And Saul and I had always wondered, like, if they were going to do an Aria of Sorrow HD, would they be able to map that over pretty well? And I think this proof of concept shows it would. It's a cool, cool little thing. Um. So yeah, it, it's pretty cool doing a hand seal on somebody and then just whipping your finger around on the touch screen and then pulling the triggers and being like, "Yeah, I did that." It does feel <laughs> more interactive. It was kind of like the first time that I played skate and I was like, "Bro, I can kick flip by like literally pulling my feet down and then flicking them up with the analog stick." That's amazing. So it has a similar feeling. It's not quite that high, but it's close. Um. Let's see. Next thing up here, PlayStation Studios banner has recently been updated to include Sam Porter Bridges, the main character of Kojima Productions' Death Stranding. You did it anyway. This led to rampant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all said it was okay? No, I know. Yeah, I'm I just saying. So. Nobody knows what we're referencing, <laughs> to be fair. That's true. <laughs> this led to rampant speculation that PlayStation and Kojima had finally decided to tie the knot. Speculation was fueled further when Kojima himself tweeted the banner with no context, only to later tweet that his studio is independent and will remain so. Uh, Chris, I'm glad he put this in here because the first thing that came out of my mind when people were like, but he said he's remaining independent. I said, Blue Point Games, after that, uh, that leaked image, that was mm-hmm. clearly real. Uh, came out. Blue Point Games is an <laughs> is an independent, <laughs> self funded studio. And guess who wasn't a self uh, funded independent studio? Three months later. Yep, Blue Point. So, I will say this: the precedent has been set that companies can't just come out and say, "But, but we're independent." Well, okay, <laughs> you're independent right now and? because the merger is not co- the the acquisition hasn't been announced, nor is it complete. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's the thing. I am not right now saying that Kojima is being bought by PlayStation. But that's his statement has no bearing on whether or not it was at one point in time true. That's all I'm saying. Because Bluepoint and Insomniac both had the exact same tune and both of them are now wholly owned by PlayStation. So let that speak as it will. That being said... Do you want? Do you guys want PlayStation to buy Kojima, or at least do you think it's smart for them to? Don't care, and yes, <laughs> same. Okay, Saul. <laughs> don't. Okay, I don't care as long as I still get to play his games wherever they come out. Like that's my right. thing. If 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 he doesn't get bought, but I can still play the next game on PlayStation Five, I'm happy. I don't really care. 
So we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's see. Sony, along with Nintendo, have joined Microsoft in changing how automatic renewal works for their subscription services. Now, long-term users of Sony's PS Plus service who have not been active will be contacted by Sony with how to cancel. If you don't cancel but don't use the service, Sony will automatically stop making payments entirely. Um, Nintendo as well. This is a big move, and I'm so glad that it happened because I think it really does help with the feeling of subscription services being predatory and hoping that you leave them behind uh, and just keep paying for them without thinking about it. Even outside of the entertainment industry, <coughs> we, people deal with these problems. I don't know if you've ever signed up for a gym, but God, yeah. dude, canceling a gym membership is like going through hell. You're essentially playing Dante's Inferno, <laughs> but to go through, <laughs> and it's the worst. Um so that's definitely the thing that people want uh, to happen. It's a, it's, a, it's a viable business idea from their mind. Um, so I'm glad this is happening. But I'm also hoping that that means that I, – I, I didn't look into this, Chris. Maybe you did when you were looking at the news. Did this happen as a result of legislation? Yes. And the reason I – okay, I figured as much because if it hadn't and Sony and Nintendo took it upon themselves – I would have appreciated it because then I'd be like, well, maybe both of them are going to look at their return policies because both <laughs> of their return policies need some work. No, they're not. <laughs> There's no reason for them to, so they're not going to. Right now, there doesn't seem to be. But if if realistically, the problem that's going to, I think, will end up happening is that if one more company does it, then it starts to feel like there's enough pressure of why are you the only person not doing it? Right now, Sony and Nintendo both have each other to cradle and be like, at least we both haven't given in. But if one ever decides to slip away in the middle of the night and say, hey, guys, we're changing our return policy, then the other one has to be like, damn, doesn't have to. But I think that the pressure becomes a lot more real at that point. So we will see. Um What's Epic Game Store return policy? I imagine it's probably just as lenient as Steam's because they're trying to steal as much of the Steam's user base as they can. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, me either. Have any of you? We all three have PCs. Have any of you used the Epic Game Store? I have, but I yeah, don't remember. I use it for, for the what. free games. I haven't used it at all, so I was just really curious. Um. All right, two more things. Cyberpunk 2077 has been confirmed to have a single-player expansion in the works, but it will not arrive until 2023. This news came alongside the reveal that Cyberpunk has sold 18 million units. Now, how many of those 18 million were at any of the $20, $30, $10 markdowns, $5 most recently? Hard to say, but 18 million units is still 18 million units, so I'm sure they've made plenty of money. Um, it's pretty crazy. I'm a little surprised at how long they're waiting for the DLC, but I guess um, one thing we didn't put in the news, but I guess you can kind of say here, when they're pulling the Witcher 3's next-gen version back in-house um, and a couple of other things are happening, they're trying to start up working on the next Witcher game, I guess at some point it makes sense to focus on this later, but at the same point, I would have thought that this would have already been in works ready to come earlier than this because now we're coming to an expansion that's going to release three years after the game came out two and a half years after the game came out well depends on your argument there's a lot of people who would say the game came out four months ago right <laughs> fair point you know what definitely if the expansions are next gen only which i have a sneaking suspicion they will be 
We will yeah. definitely find they out. They definitely will be next gen only. They should have <clears> just <throat> shot those PS4 and P- and 360 versions, or um, sorry, Xbox One versions. I can't believe that they didn't. Doesn't make sense. But then that also means they would have had to have had for release. They would have had to have had the PS the next gen versions ready. But then right. again, if they wouldn't have spent if, months optimizing old for old consoles, yeah. that most months could have been used optimizing for the new ones. Well, so, and if they'd realized three years ago, hey, this isn't going to work, which they definitely knew, they could have just canceled them three years ago and been on time two years ago. Oh, I guess that game's older now. So whatever, you know what I mean. Move your timelines accordingly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's just it's weird that games redemptions uh, like arcs. See, you know, gaming is now story <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> games redemption arcs take so long these days. It feels like, and I don't know if it's still because of ramifications of COVID or a bunch of other things that are going on. Probably a little bit of everything. It's just a little cocktail of all the stuff happening in the world right now. But it's a it's a weird time to be in. Um, but you know it. No Man's Sky didn't turn around in one update. <laughs> That's about the, the best True. best I could say for anything. Uh, last thing up, Amy Hennig is working on another game at Skydance New Media after the announcement <laughs> that she was working on a Marvel game. This time announcing a new Star Wars game after her last Star Wars game was canceled by EA alongside the shuttering of Visceral Games back in 2017, 2018, I think it was. Um this is an interesting move because as Rude Days, or actually, I'm sorry, I think it was Rude Days, had mentioned in the Discord, this is like eight Star Wars games announced to have been in development, and none of them seem remotely close. Well, yeah, and I mean, the point, EA deal just ended. And EA can still make games, apparently. Anyone who wants to can, but... Uh, well, yeah. But Ubisoft, gonna, so what is it? Avalanche, right? Avalanche has a Star Wars game in, in works? Yes. Yep. Okay. Avalanche, so um, Lucasfilm, I think, does. Aspire has some. Um, Aspire has a couple. They have Nice of the Old Republic, and then they do all those ports. And then uh, Skydance does. Uh, Respawn us too. Yeah. Hold on. Is... Um, is it Avalanche or what is what is the name of that company? From massive. Microsoft? It's Massive, not Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Massive. That's EA. But what's... Or is it Ubisoft Massive? No, it's Ubisoft. It's Massive. <laughs> that's right. Hold on. EA. What is EA's? Motive. Motive. That's what it was. Yeah, it's an M. Yeah, Massive <clears throat> are the people that are behind. They've got so many games in the works. They're They've behind... Got the, uh, they have Avatar. Avatar. They're doing, yeah. um, and they do the division. Yeah. Oh man, what a crazy! Oh, that's weird. All right. Uh, either way, that's where we are now. So. Amy Hennig and Star Wars is cool. I've always wanted to see this. A lot of people I saw immediately saying, I wish this was 1313 or I hope it's 1313 being dug back from the grave. i be honest. I don't know why Amy Hennig would want to start working on a Star Wars game just to dig up someone else's work. If anything, I'm assuming she'd be reusing ideas from her canceled game from Visceral at the very least, if not going in an entirely new direction. Um, I don't know. What's your move on this, Chris? I I like Amy Hennig. I think she does great work, uh, as has been shown by her list of great games. But I'm curious as to uh, 
how much this moves the needle for this seems like this is clearly an announcement for mega fans of games because most people don't know creators' yeah. names that well. Um, <laughs> you could tell me Brandon Sanderson was writing a Star Wars novel in or uh, writing a Star Wars game in con, in uh, collaboration with George R. R. Martin, and I could and you not still care. Guess. <laughs> Star Wars sucks. If the gameplay is good, cool, but I don't care about. Out of Star curiosity Wars for gameplay, looking completely separate, from, and that's why I'm I'm kind of curious because I don't know if you even would have played it. Did you play uh, Star Wars Jedi? Um, I did. I got like halfway through. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, I was I just more curious. It's as good to enough to. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to support the full game, and unless you're a Star Wars super fan who really wants to see that objectively great ending <laughs> too bad the uh, level design <laughs> well the, the reason i was wondering is what's that oh the level design yep. i don't think the level design was as bad as the map that supported <clears throat> the level the, the the map design to navigate the level was terrible that too that was really the problem because you'd get into a part of a level and you'd be like i'm stuck because the map is too stupid to show me how to get back to where i'm trying to go that's that's a problem. I figured, Chris, that you had played the game just because you're a big respawn fan, but I didn't know for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that that brings us to the end of the news for today, which brings us to the old age old question that we happened to speed right on past again, uh, where we did not come to a conclusion of what we wanted to talk about after the news. So. I open the floor to anyone who wants to bring something up. Doesn't have to be timely, of course. It can be pretty much about anything. Um, or we can look at this a minute and 45, or a minute, hour 45 episode and call it quits since we're coming in at a late time anyway. I mean, I don't really have anything this week. I kind of got my topic out when I was talking about them buying a bunch of studios and putting a cool little PowerPoint together. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we've already talked. To, I was going to say, we look at what fun um, communities takes could come from something that we talked about today. And I think we've talked about dream acquisitions for Sony. So I don't think I want to retread that ground, even though I do feel like people look at acquisitions at way too much of a. I, I guess this could be like a mini topic just to kind of round the show off of for a second. We do a pretty good job, I feel like, of talking about acquisitions from the any level. You know, looking at Sony saying, hey, look at this very small studio. We could benefit from them in some way that is not as immediately obvious to fans who strictly play the AAA level of gaming. Uh, so me and you can be like, it would be cool if they bought Motion Twin because Motion Twin makes great games. It'd be cool if they bought this other small studio because um, um, what is the studio that made Hades um, giant sparrow no uh, super giant super giant that's what it is and then there's super massive <laughs> that made until dawn Ooh. correct anyway uh, I think giant sparrow were the people behind uh, what remains of Edith Finch that name sounds familiar in my head so either way um, they can look at studios like that and they can see if there's any value to either fully acquire them or not and we talk about that more often than not Um Whereas I feel like a lot of the time acquisition talk, be it because of Microsoft setting the precedence, ends up being this big talk about the biggest acquisitions possible. Immediately, it's got to be whether well, they're going to buy Konami or they're going to buy Square Enix or they're going to buy Take-Two. 
And these yes. are massive, massive deals because everybody wants it to be something that's on the scale of the waking up and seeing Microsoft buys Bethesda or the way bigger Microsoft buys Activision. Um, and at that regard, it kind of makes me think of this weird thing where you talk to people and there's this clear thing that we often talk about the separation between casuals and core gamers. And a lot of people kind of like to think that like, well, core gamers play a much bigger variety of games and casual gamers just play like the Call of Duties and sports games and just the absolute biggest of games, Apex, Fortnite. But the reality I think is, is that even within the core gamer group or people that would call themselves core gamers, there's that group of people that only play AAA. They don't play AA. There's people that play AAA all the way down to the most indie of indie. There's people that play AA but won't entertain indie. And I feel like it's really weird to look at game studios from that way because when you're having a conversation with someone regarding games, depending on where that conversation is starting at, you don't really know where it's going to go because their version of what is a game worth time can be very different than yours. Um, so I don't know. I, I, how that bleeds down into acquisitions is going to be really interesting because – does Sony see the value of announcing that they've bought uh, Supergiant if that's only going to make a splash in a very small segment of the gaming world? They probably still would. It just wouldn't be something they might take to Twitter and blow up on. I don't know, though. Because like no one, no one knew Nix's very well, at the very least. And they bought Nix's. And they took to Twitter to announce that. But that was kind of it, right? I wouldn't even call it a flash in the pan. What would you call it, Chris? I mean, it was an announcement. It was a drop in the ocean. <laughs> but did it? Yeah, did it mean anything? That's kind of the thing. Like for ninety, it meant more. 90, it meant more for me to look at and be like, "Oh wow, they're committed to PC." That was that, really, yeah. I think that's the most sizable thing that most people took away from it. So I don't know. I guess I don't know if if you guys we've kind of talked about today. Uh, Saul, we, we kind of heard Chris's little pitch, but like, <clears throat> if there was one little smaller studio that you wish Sony would like look at for real and, and look at acquiring and that you'd be happy to see acquired, do you have one? Or do you like the idea of them kind of staying out in that free market area? Um, Vanillaware would be interesting. Mm-hmm. With having Dragon, we'll bring out Dragon's Crown again. That was a Vita game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was a Aegis, Vita PS3, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then, uh, Sentinels, thir- 13 Sentinels, Aegis Room. That's a that's on mm-hmm. that's on PlayStation 4. It's also on like Switch and stuff. But, um, sure. that would be an interesting They have interesting art design that I think fits either Nintendo or PlayStation. When you <laughs> that's an interesting thing. Do you think the reason you think that is because you don't see very many Japanese-like games over on the Xbox side of the aisle? Do you think that's why you kind of view those to fit specifically uh, PlayStation and Nintendo? Well, the art style specifically, is is that what you mean? Well, I guess, but I, I guess what I mean is like, why why would a, in your mind, what is it that makes an art style be like, I could see that on PlayStation and Nintendo, but clearly in this case, not on Microsoft? Because they they've used similar art styles in the past. Okay, so mainly that there's no precedent for it, right? For, X, for Xbox, yes. Xbox is out of the And I think that comes from the fact that Xbox has a decidedly small 
amount of Japanese games to pull from um, that are synonymous with that system or even released on that system, considering that Dra- Dragon's Crown did not release on Xbox. Did 13 Sentinels release on Xbox? I don't think so. I think it's PC, Switch, and PS4. You know what? It should release yeah, on I'm Xbox, really curious. Though, a Lost Odyssey. I remake. thought it was on Game Pass. It might be. I'm so I'm so I'm look out of it, it on Xbox right now. No, it is not on Game Pass. It is only on PS4 and Switch. It is not even on PC. Uh, are, wait, really? I thought I was on Steam. Yeah. Nope. I'm waiting to buy that. That's certainly that's the next big game I'm buying though. And actually, it just came out on Switch. Yeah. It's been out on P- on uh, PS4 since 2019 in Japan and 2020 for um, America. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really good. Or, like a, no, actually, I'm sorry. September for America. A very emotional v- visual novel with like tower defense slash RTS combat. Sounds really cool. Well, that seems to kind of tie into this idea of what we were talking about. Like, I don't even know if you were on that episode, Saul, because you've bounced out a few times. But we were talking about like, what does Sony lack? And, you know, because Sony clearly has a lockdown on third person adventure games. But like, what are spots for acquisitions that make sense for them to fill? Because like right now on Xbox's side of things, like you can kind of look, it's like they have third, they have like strategy games covered from some of their acquisitions. They have like really weird niche CRPG games covered with like in exile. They've got third, uh, third person uh, action adventure covered uh, or at least seemingly covered from their, um, w- what is that studio called? The initiative plus, um, Crystal Dynamics that's coming out. They have shooters covered clearly by the likes of the Gears of War team. That's third person as well. But and then Halo for that. So it's like there's not as many obvious fall, like complete missing pieces of the puzzle for Xbox from a first party standpoint. And I think that in that sense, Vanillaware would be interesting because of the fact that this would kind of be like oh, it's weird because 13 Sentinels from everything I've seen kind of like changes up gameplay a lot. So I think it's got like some RTS elements and some like 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 you just said, like a visual novel elements to it, right? Or have you seen much about it? I'm talking about thirty cents, thirteen sentinels. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I've not. I've not like. I've specifically stayed far uh, away from like a lot of stuff about it. But looking at the um, the screenshots, it's definitely a visual novel with what looks to be like either RTS and or tower defense. I can't really tell. I've not watched a single video. Well, I think on the it. game kind of switches between. That's that's why I think is is odd. That's kind of so cool. It, then. it says apparently I'm on the Wikipedia because I was already there because of the thing. So it says gameplay. Uh, it divides its gameplay between adventure game sections, which are more like the visual novel, and real time strategy battles. Okay, that sounds yeah, that sounds pretty sick. Yeah, so I guess in that sense. That'd probably be my thing is like, I just think Sony needs to buy any developer at any level that helps them fill a spot to where they can say, we have a first party answer for that as things continue to get more and more, um, um, whatever acquired the, the acquisitions where things, um, man, my brain is really dead on what the word is for it. But uh, as things start to go into smaller and smaller groups of there being less freeware developers, there will always be developers that are going to choose to remain independent or just don't have enough value to be bought. Um, 
But as there's less of them, I think it makes sense for PlayStation to really look and say, like, can we get these teams and justify their purchase and keep them afloat with with reasonable budgets, but still have the culture of PlayStation in these games to where their quality is high enough that they don't we don't feel like we're just buying studios and releasing games under Sony's name, but not keeping to this marketed version of Sony that we've worked to build up where we are very high quality. You know, it's it's a weird balance to hit. And I'm curious as to what it'll be. But that's all right. We'll see what happens in the long run. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think if that's it, then we're going to go ahead and round this episode off. So I appreciate you guys for joining me, Saul, uh, or the ghost of Saul, rather. I hope your corporeal form is back for next week and that we can oh, I'm sure will be. enjoy your, your face. <laughs> uh, Chris, thank you for joining me as well. And Saul, you're not here beside me, so it feels kind of weird. But do you want to still round the show off, or do you want me to take that duty? No, I can still do it. Um, for those that don't know what he means by that, um, this is the shout out part where I let you guys know where you can find us, and you can find us across multitude of platforms. You can go to Twitter at Triangle SQRD. Uh, you can find us on Facebook if you look for Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. There, if there's a Facebook group there, and uh, you can find us across most podcast services. If you happen to find one that we're not a part of, let us know, and we'll get on it. And of course, on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/Nartech. Speaking of which, we have a very similar URL to that as well. That's Patreon.com/slash/Nartech. For just as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us. Um, you can help support us with stuff like studio upkeep, um, podcast services upkeep, stuff like that that gets really pricey on out of pocket stuff. But a new mic arm for yeah, Saul so I don't throw this thing out my second floor balcony um, because it's going to happen. It didn't fall over after I tightened it up, but I'm pretty sure I made a mark on my desk. So yucky. That damn mic stand. That mic stand. So, but yeah, and of course, as a added bonus. Uh, you get your name right out at the end of every episode. And I forgot Discord. You can join our Discord, which is always in the description below. And you get cool different colors for your names because we're fancy. Um, that's <laughs> all. You don't get any more. You beggar. That's all you get. So if you'd like to help support us, feel free to head over to any of the websites I mentioned before. Get in our communities. Get talking to us. And, of course, uh, share. If you like us, you know, Reviews and stuff are nice, and uh, sharing is the most popular thing that you could do among our hearts. It gets us into other people's hearts. So we thank you all for 257, and we'll see you all next week for 258. That sounded like the plot for Kingdom Hearts 4, but a big shout-out to <laughs> Leechion69, the Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Jason Clendenning, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all.